So I am here with an amazing guest today called Jade. Now, Jade and I have known each other for absolute donkey years. We met at a campsite called Haven Holidays, Super <laughs> Family Holidays. <laughs> I hope you still remember the jingle. Yeah. Oh my god, I do remember it. I was singing it yesterday. And I can get it out of my head. I think I know more than more with the tiger dances. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Honestly, anybody who has been to Haven Holidays, mm. we used to absolutely live at them places, didn't we? We used to go like three or four times a year. Yeah. Um. So our families used to uh, meet up three or four times a year, and they all used to get drunk while the kids were. <laughs> dancing and singing and just pissing about on the park yeah. um basically haven were our nannies i suppose <laughs> why our family were trolleyed in the corner yeah. um and we met oh god we must have been like teeny tiny um and jade is going to talk to us today about domestic violence but from a different perspective so jade's going to speak about it from a child's perspective and how that has kind of impacted her life how it's defined certain areas of her life and uh what she has kind of done going forward to make sure that it doesn't ruin her and her confidence and all that shebang mm-hmm. so hi jade hi you're hi yeah i'm good thank you it's thanks for having so me. lovely to see you oh my god i'm so so chuffed that you are my first guest when you messaged me i was like yes <laughs> I haven't spoke to you in ages. Like we usually just bump into each other in yeah, Mary Hill, true. don't we? Or in like mm-hmm. in New Look. <laughs> somewhere random, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, somewhere random or on a night out or something. Um so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start off by just kind of talking to you about how tell actually I'm gonna start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your situation. So as much as you want to talk about from the start. As in from it happening kind of thing, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, so it, I suppose it was probably the the big parts were from probably when I was five to 15, I would say. Mum, I was five when mum got with her ex-partner. Um, and then I think probably in the beginning it was what you'd say normal. You know, we'd go swimming and all those kind of things. And prior to that, the fuse for that it was mainly me my mom my nan and my sister um because my dad um and my mom separated when i was only 18 months old so um you know there was a few years just the four of us um and i think everything was fine until my mom told him she was pregnant with my brother and so alex is seven years younger than me so he yeah so i would have been seven um six or seven um, and i think that's when the the tide turned i suppose um when how did you notice that was it that just was it well, everything or was it attitude or was there something that happened in particular i think it was um well i, I try to think back about this i think a lot of my childhood i've kind of blocked out but when i try and think back to when i was first aware i don't know whether it's because my mom told me that that is what happened or there's something so I So you remember. don't know whether it was a first-hand account or yes. whether it was a second-hand yes, account? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it's... I suppose when I think back to my childhood, it's very much dominated on the the real traumatic things that I kind of remember yeah. and not so much anything else. Um, yeah. That's understandable, yeah. though. Mm, yeah. Because the brain... I think the brain works in that way. Yeah. I think that's... You know, it's it's like... If somebody on, I don't know, on Instagram 
if you put a picture of you in a gorgeous dress and 10 people say, oh my God, you look absolutely gorgeous. And then one person says, you look like a troll. The first <laughs> thing, the only thing you're going to concentrate yeah. is that negative one. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's normal. Yes. And then yeah. going forward, like, how did you know that it was so different to like your friends, families growing up? Um, I think for a long time, we didn't know if that makes sense. We just thought that that was normal to a degree. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's only when you go to the people's houses and you're like, okay, you know, uh, I've stayed That's over. That's not and the same as my house. I haven't yeah. felt, you know, but the anxiety, I suppose, looking back, because, you know, back then you didn't, it wasn't talked about, you know, you just kind of felt how you felt and that was it. Um, but then I think I was more aware because it was very much, you can't talk about that. You know, I can remember my little sister going to school once and telling the school that, um, you know, um, he, he'd like hit my mom, and it was very much like you can't do that because we'll have social services and all that. So then, then you become a oh, okay, so it can't be normal. But I don't. But it's also know. not okay to talk about it. Yeah, like I, I don't know. We just need to get on with it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's mad, isn't it? And now yeah. in this day and age, that would be completely opposite it's very much talk about it openly yeah and I think social media has got a lot to you know a lot to thank for that because it's now you know it's okay to talk about past experiences that we've been through that haven't been you know normal yes absolutely yeah yeah it's true so tell me about a particular situation that you realized that this wasn't normal um, it's hard to think of the timeline because so many things happened. Um, but I think one of the first things that I have that I remember, I suppose, it stays in my mind the most. Maybe two things actually is, um, and I don't know again the, like, the timeline. But I remember on a weekend we would always stay with my nan, um, and mm. you. I, I, I suppose over the years, if you because she didn't have a home phone, but the her, the telephone box used to ring down the road and it was always my mom it was never anybody else we are so showing our age now jesus christ yeah yeah Um, and i've used to we you we'd be there on a weekend and you think as soon as you heard the phone ring you'd think something's happened and you just knew kind of thing um but i think one of the biggest things for me was we knew something bad had happened because, you know, she'd phone my nan and my nan to look, you know, um, Kevin and your mum, you know, X, Y and Z. It's quite bad. And then I remember we were on the bus um, and I said to my nan, um, look at that poor woman. And it was her. <laughs> you know, so I think, yeah, that's when you think, so oh, you know, that's when you think, wow. You know, no. So there was that. And then I went away with one of my friends and I came back and all my mum's head was bandaged up. And I was like, what's happened? And she was like, he tried to throw me down the stairs and she ripped most of her ear off. Um, She had about 158 stitches inside and out. Yeah. And then it was like, he's not coming back. And I remember coming home from school one day and he opened the back gate and then it was, oh, out kind of back to normal a little bit and how did that make you feel knowing that he'd done that to your mom and obviously as children Mm. you know we are super I'm a very protective person so you can't hurt someone that I love 
because I I will go for you. Mm. When you are a child going through that situation Mm. and when you see someone you love going through that and hurting like that, them telling you, I've asked him to leave, he's not coming back, then to find him in your house, how do you even compute that? I think, and it's quite messed up really when I think back, you don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. So then you go into almost protection mode as in you then like, you know, I'm trying to do things for mom or help with the kids or, but I don't, I don't want to rock the boat because I, you know, I then don't want to be for feel, which I would feel responsible that something's happened because of what I've said or my behaviour. So again, everybody's walking around on eggshells, Absolutely. not only your mom, Absolutely. everyone around yes. them, because they don't want to then rock the boat and affect yeah. the, what what could happen to your mom. Going back to what you said about being on the bus yeah. and saying that poor woman, did you s- tell me, I mean, did you see a photo? Did you see your mom on the bus or what? what was that situation? No, she was walking down the road and it was only when I looked to the side and my older sister was with her and then it was this kind of, um, yeah, so I think kind of the... So that realisation set in that it was actually your mum? Yeah, because I think the night before they'd been to the pub or whatever, my mum worked in pubs, I don't know if she was at work or been out and, um, you know, basically attacked her on the way home. But, you know, she even had like a a footprint mark on her forehead and, you know, he basically just stamped all over really and... Yeah, it was, I said, and then, you know, looked to the side and was like, you know, and I would have only been, I'm going to say nine, maybe. Yeah. Wow. And that's a lot for a nine-year-old to to have to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So that realisation set in that this wasn't actually normal. But then you guys couldn't say anything no. because you were scared that anything you said yeah. going forward would then obviously make him attack your mum again. Yeah. So what, take me to the day that you realised that, so you were 15, yeah. that it was finally over, nearly over, um, maybe over. So what had happened was I was at home his behaviour was getting worse running up to this point. And I'd kind of said to mum, I worry something really bad is going to happen. Like, yeah, it, like I said, it was getting more often, it was getting more extreme and it was like, oh God, you know. Because there was a couple of occasions, um, I'm going to take you back to what happened at the when we were on holiday. Yeah. Do you remember much of that? So many things happened at different times when we were there. So it, it could have been anything it probably was yeah yeah I think I do remember actually yeah um that's probably um my first memory of it because it was just so shocking mm. and I think for me I like you've just said I don't know whether this is a memory that I whether this is a feeling that I had at that point Mm. or whether this is a feeling that I have now as an adult But the fact that he had no problem doing it around people. And that, for me, is fucking terrifying. Mm. Because you think of domestic violence and you think it's always behind closed doors. Mm. And actually, maybe, I'm just asking the question, 
maybe it got to a point where he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And actually he got to a point where he didn't care who seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Or, or just that so is... out of control, you know, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just doesn't... Or I don't know, yeah. That, that, or that people yeah. would accept, be accepting of it. I don't, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think every time when holi- we went on holiday, something happened... Mm. Um, yeah, I I remember there being police there. I remember there being an ambulance. I remember my mom um, shouting a lot, mm. and I think you kids all came into our caravan. Yeah, I remember. Or caravan yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah, and I that's I think that's probably one of my only memories that that day. Yeah. Um, tell me what happened after. So. Going back to what you, when you realised that it was actually over or that it could be over. Um, so, yeah, so mum was at work and um, it, I think it was a Saturday night. Uh, so mum had been at work at the pub and Kev was out. Uh, me, Roxy, my old sister, um, were at home and we had Lewis. So Louis would have only been coming up yeah. to 10 months old. And yeah, so I was 14 turning 15 in the August and I got a call from someone in the pub saying, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Your mom's on her way home, but he's on one. Um, Is this a punter yeah. at the pub? So just a yeah. customer? Yeah, he said, Kev's on one, so I'm just letting you know. Are you at home? I said, yeah, we were at home, whatever else. And um, he came back, was clearly drunk. Um, and I think Rox had just had um, a hernia removed and he kept, pretending like he was gonna like, hit her in the, like, the tummy so she was you know flinching whatever and I heard my mum come up in the entry and down the road with her heels click clopping and scraping along the floor yeah absolutely I remember oh, your mum's heels <laughs> and um he came like he came it mum came in and straight away he was um like kind of having a go saying um I don't even know what he was saying to be fair to her and she sat she sat in a chair next to me and I was kind of here and he kept kicking her in the legs, um, like being aggressive. And he went in the kitchen and my mum said to me, phone the police. So I went, you know, I went to phone the police. and then So she just knew it was going to be Yeah, and then he, he said, who's going to fucking phone the police? And honestly, the next thing I saw was um, I looked at my mum. He went, came towards my mum and I looked at her. And she had her a hand over her face, and there was just like like blood, like through her hands, and you know, and she ran out the house. And he said to me, um, "Go and see if your mother's dead or not." Mm. So, I honestly, I, I followed, I, fa- I followed her. I found her by following the trail of blood up the road. Oh, fucking hell, And Dave. she'd gone to the taxi rank at the top of our house and then maybe to the Indian further up and someone had phoned an ambulance. And the only thing that I remember then, I'd, I'd, I'd phoned somebody like one of the doormen who worked in the pub and said, this is what's happened. You need to go and you need to get Roxy out of the house. You know, she's in there with Louis. You know, I don't know what, you know, he's got form, you know, um, with you know, not just being kind of hands-on with mom. So you need to go and get her out of the house. Yeah. And um, next time, like, the ambulance came and I remember sitting in the ambulance with mom, and they cleaned her up and he'd basically got a bread knife 
out the kitchen and he'd slashed her face from the, t- the top of her nose all along, probably from here to here. And they cleaned her up and um, she said, um, she said, does my face look okay? And it's a little bit graphic, you know, but like, you know, tissue from inside the face was on the outside. And I'm saying to her, yeah, mum, you'll be, you know, but you'll be fine, mum. Yeah, you'll be fine, you know, let them kind of have a look and whatever yeah. else. And um, we went to hospital and what had happened whilst we were there, I think a couple of the blokes from the pub had gone to get Roxy and they'd give him a, a kick in. Uh, and at one point, him and my mum were in the same hospital. Um, oh, my I know. God. Um, so we, we can't. And then I, I suppose just remember going home and, you know, uh, he, he, it was just a mess, really. You know, we obviously he had a kick in the blood in the house, mum and whatever else. And I'd kind of said to my mum, not at that time, but I remember not long after, mum, if you take him back, I'm taking the kids and I'm going to sleep with Nan. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. And next time, yeah. next time he will kill you. Like his behaviour is getting worse and worse and worse. Well, the fact that he used the knife, yeah, that and uh, that ever happened before? Not a knife, but a few months before, he tried to attack her with a hammer, and we all sat on top of her in the uh, in the house. Oh, and so, like I said, it was getting more extreme, and he, um, yeah, he was he was pushing pushing it every time yeah and he was violent towards her when he hadn't had a drink one morning before the kids went to school and it was like this is getting was it always was it always drink related yeah until like i said that one day and when it wasn't it was like okay um and then that unpredictability like comes in don't it mm-hmm. the fact that i suppose when he's had a drink everyone kind of is on a bit of you know everyone's on eggshells knowing mm-hmm. this could happen but then yeah. for it to yeah. happen you know just before the school run yeah absolutely changes. like the poor you know alex and alex had to go to school in floods of tears and you know and you're like what mm-hmm. and he likes it was getting worse and it was getting bolder yeah. if you like or you know um and so, I, yeah, and I honestly believe that that's what would have happened if she'd have stayed with him. Oh, do you know what? I can absolutely guarantee it as well. Yeah. 100%. And you see it so much on the news, don't you? You see women who haven't managed to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there was one one story that I remember recently. And I think she'd gone to the police. Now, I it takes the utmost bravery to go to the police and actually try and get out because like you I mean you just demonstrated then you know everybody around them is walking on eggshells so you don't want to say anything in case it actually makes Mm -hmm. it worse so going to the police you know you know that that's going to make it Mm -hmm. worse and I think this girl I, I, I think she was about our age she'd gone to the police several times and her family had said that they'd gone to the police and eventually and they said she will she will be killed and unfortunately, he did. He managed. He managed to kill her. But I think he, she'd gone to the police twelve times before, and they'd not done anything. And I'm so glad that now, you know, thank you to your mom. You know, she mm-hmm. was was she one of the first people in the UK to start um, petitioning for a change through Parliament? Yeah. So the campaign she did with the Sun newspaper and Refuge. Um, was the start of and kind of 
the reason or a big part of the reason why they changed the law that yeah. the police can now um, prosecute without, you know, because the, the thing is that when you're with somebody who's emotionally, mentally, physically abusive, mm. you are going to retract your yeah, statement, you know, because you're of the manipulation, the, you know, absolutely the wider picture and, you know, like um, even after kind of, you know, um, he went to prison, we were still getting threats, you know, he'd, got somebody to follow me to my nans because I'd pick up my brothers and sisters and, you know, I'd get attacked on the way and all this kind of stuff. I mean, what, right, so this person that followed you, at what point <laughs> right, do you think does, does it go behavior? through their head that they think, yeah. I'm going to follow a young girl because my yeah. mate Kev, who has just been to prison for beating the shit out of her, his wife, yeah. I'm going to do what he says. What, yeah. what the hell mm. on this planet Earth? Where does this? Where is that okay? But then it kind of makes you think. Well, he's probably a very similar person to him, or her. Absolutely, and and the the manipulation continued. Like he, even though he was in prison, he was still writing my mom letters. How was he able to do that? And they were coming through the post thick and fast. And I mean, they were like four or five pages, and it was emotional now as an adult I look back emotional and mental manipulation and abuse Mm. and this you know again and I you know I never got why women went back but I suppose through life and whatever else I I totally get it like I get why they do yeah and you don't also I mean I don't know whether you know but you don't know what threats he made towards you kids he could have said things to your mom and said you know if you do this to me, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You just don't know. And I have heard people say that before, that, you know, they've threatened people that they love. And it's almost kind of, you know, they're doing it out of protection. Well, I knew he was capable of that because I remember when I was young and he, he'd said, like, you know, if your mum ever leaves me, I, I'll, I'll, like, main her and, you know, you girls kind of thing. And so it wasn't like it was not a... It wasn't that he was somebody that if he said he was going to do something that there wasn't a possibility that that could happen yeah there was no such thing as an empty threat with him oh god no not at all he was a fucking crazy ass yeah absolutely yeah so it's yeah so thankfully that it was over then your mom it was it was done he went to prison Mm -hmm. uh, but he got a suspended sentence he did right yeah yeah so so when he came out mm -hmm did what happened so he came he got uh, 18 months no one suspended and then he came out and he was still getting in touch with my mom trying to meet up with them and contacting her and i well what i did is at the time i had a i don't know a key worker or a social worker mm. or whatever they would have been and i and i told them and said this is what's happening and i'm kind yeah. of worried of not that i'm saying my mom would have had him back but again you know, yeah. you don't have to be with somebody um, for something, you know, them to do something. And they then, off the back of that, he went back to prison for that further nine months um, because, it, you know, he must have been breaching his conditions. Um, it's like he was only allowed indirect contact with um, my brothers. Uh, with because I mean, I'm surprised his... that he, he even got any contact with the kids, to be honest. Yeah, indirect. But to be fair, he never did. He never... That's probably a good thing. He never did. Um, so, yeah, absolutely positive thing. Um, but, yeah, so so he went back and did his full 18-month sentence. Um, so then 
has there been a point where he stopped making contact? I think after that, and then there's been kind of times was over the years when we all, well, mum still worked at pubs and we were out because he, he still lived in local area. He would um, be in the pub, you know, when he'd wow. walk in and, and there was an altercation between him and my brother, his son, um, about 12 years ago. And yeah, I think he's kind of, I suppose, thankfully kept his distance. But there's always that, you know, especially mom, she's apprehensive of places she will go in case she bumps into him. Mm. Yeah, I suspect that fear probably never leaves you. Yeah. Mm. The altercation with your brother, mm. um, how did that go down? So my mum had moved back to where she grew up, um, not too far, but, you know, just a small village. And someone had said, um, but I think either Alex was in the pub or he... Somebody told Alex he was in the pub or whatever else. So Alex went in the pub, bearing in mind, bless him, he's only a little dot, you know, five foot four or whatever he is, and confronted him and said, do you know who I am? Um, and he said, yeah, I think, you know. And he said, and Alex basically said, I won't forgive you for what you did to my mum and my sisters. Um, and then I think it kind of went from them having a bit of an altercation to being young lads and it's not right either to chase him and his mate in the car they stopped at some traffic lights kev got out and so did alex and kev was on top of his own child with his hands around his throat and alex said if my mates hadn't been with me because obviously jumped out the car you know and whatever happened um put the boot on i'm not quite sure um he said he, he, i think he'd have killed me and it's like, Did you get arrested for that? No, I don't think so. I don't think Alex um, went to no. no, but that's, his, you know, his own child. You know, it's, yeah. I think people like that though, Jade, I think there definitely is something wrong. Yes, They're definitely absolutely. not, they're not wired properly. No. no. To want to hurt your own child, yeah. they're not mm. wired the same as me and you. No. And I suppose you can seek comfort in that mm. knowing that not everyone's the same yeah thankfully mm-hmm. so that being said mm. going forward into your life yeah. knowing you know having all this experience with mm. a man yeah to the age of 15 mm. how did that affect you um i think for me so it again it's just all a bit messed up really because i remember growing up thinking well, like, that's like he's supposed to love her, and they've got married. But then he does, he does that to her. Like, mm. and so part of me knew that wasn't normal, you know. Mm. As in, like, I'm sure people who love each other don't do that because I don't do that yeah. to people I love, etc. And I think it's probably only as I've got older and been through life, and you know, um, a relationship that you know, not had traits physically, but I suppose emotionally and whatever else, um, that you can reflect a bit more on how it affected you. But yeah, mine was never physical from Kev, but mine was um, mental. So mine was mental okay. abuse. So um, I didn't have much confidence. And I suppose I've always had a good front, which now as an adult, my skin tells people if I'm anxious or um a little bit uncomfortable whereas for years in what I, way do you go I'll red or... yeah now I'm yeah hives and whatnot and I'll go red and um, where for years I had a poker face and probably was very standoffish at times because yeah. I was trying to protect myself and I suppose you you're trying to deal with 
what has happened in your life you're trying to deal with because even after I went to prison I was looking after brothers and sisters a lot because mum mm. was in a very good place and whatever else so yeah you know responsible and all those kind of things from such a young age um and then I suppose my next well my relationship I got into that I've in for a long time like I said in hindsight now when you look back as an adult it was almost like well he doesn't hit me and he's not like abusive and actually like you know he seems like a normal person so okay kind of thing it's okay kind of thing but also on the flip side of that again kind of looking at it now I'd stepped from being responsible and looking after people to then stepping into that role in that relationship and because you know I suppose he had uh, mental health problems and um you know issues if you like whatever you want to call them I then stepped into this oh I need to look after you so again you went from nurturing role so from child yes where you were nurturing mm. into a nurturing role yeah. of your brothers and sisters yeah and then into a relationship nurturing. where you had to nurture yes absolutely your yeah and um I suppose again it's when like absolutely there was you know manipulation um you know controlling but again you don't see that you know because he's not hitting me so it's okay he loves me because he's not hitting me. Yes, absolutely. And you let little things go. But then, so the course of our 10-year relationship, I became this, not a mom, but I put him, yes, and I put his needs and him absolutely before me. So then, you know, of course, like you lose yourself and whatever else. Um, and I think the big thing for me, I suppose, how that's affected me, in relationships and this is kind of something I've been trying to work on recently is I'm not very good at communicating Mm. so because we didn't really communicate as kids because it would lead to potentially confrontational conflict no just nobody said anything so my coping mechanism had was and still is I just shut down so I could I know it's crazy but I could go outside right now if something happened and have a row with somebody I didn't know and I probably you know feel beat myself up about it after but people I care about, I really find it difficult. Um, so, yeah. I'd say that's probably because you've got that emotional connection. Yes. So wh- you find it okay to have an argument with somebody and confrontation yeah. when you don't have that emotional yeah. connection. Mm. But when you have that emotional connection, you struggle, your barriers go up mm. and you shut down. Yeah. Because I suppose in your mind you're feeling, well, I can't hurt them. I can't say how I feel yeah. because that might cause trouble yeah. because you remember when you were a kid that the moment that you spoke meant that that could hurt someone. Yes, absolutely. You always you always remembered there would be repercussions for you talking. Absolutely. And I think maybe somewhere it's, I don't know how they're going to react. And I I don't want to put myself in that situation. That, well, that's a fight you know, or flight so, situation, think, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. So my um response has been yeah just to to yeah. shut down I suppose a little bit um because that's what I would have done when I was a kid it's just to kind of get on with it kind of thing so um I think as I say you know my, my last well my really only relationship since when I was um growing up it was there was things like I said I suppose I turned a blind eye to because it was much yeah. better. 
or what I, I suppose I find interesting now that I'm not in that relationship and had kind of time to reflect, you know, on all those things is that I'll get why women go back, just like end up with the same kind of bloke or men, you know, who are abused because it's almost like a comfort mm. blanket because you're like, well, I know this territory. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. And that I think, and I get it, I get why people do, they go back and why am I picking up the same bloke or woman? Because it's comfortable. And You know, it's really funny you should say that because actually I read on an Instagram post recently about a girl who's um, endured domestic violence. Mm. And she said that when she went into another relationship, she was, it was almost like poking the bear. So her new relationship, he didn't hit her. Mm -hmm. He didn't emotionally abuse her or anything like that. So she was like, Mm -hmm. poking him. And she was like, hang up. Like if I, if he get, if he hits me, I know that, you know, I've been through it. Yeah. And it kind of, it's almost like it normalized it in your brain. Yeah. So the fact that he wasn't doing those things to her was just not normal. Yeah. It was like, well, hang on a minute how come he's not doing this yeah absolutely deep down I suppose subconsciously you do kind of go I know this is not okay but going into a new territory I think it's because you yeah you know how to navigate those people yeah yeah, and when you've been around those people like I said you know especially you know with my ex that because like all I'd ever done was nurture and put other people's needs I suppose before mine and kept the Mm -hmm. peace and you know tried to kind of just bubble through the best that I thought I was doing or you know um, you, it's easy to stay, I suppose, in that place because it's familiar, you know, and it's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Mm. So uh, you mentioned that he wasn't physically abusive to no, you. No, not to me. But he was manipulative. So your your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend, he was manipulative towards you, is that right? <sighs> yeah, I think, and I didn't notice it at the time. So I think when we had, like, a really bad breakup and at one point, like, I never understood why women went back like I said that earlier Mm. but the amount of abuse even though you know it wasn't kind of my doing the the relationship breaking down um or ending I got it because I was so mentally drained with the abusive messages the phone calls what kind of things would he say so it could it's I suppose played on my emotions as in because I because he knew you yeah and he knew how to get yes absolutely yeah so we'll play on that and then I would find myself feeling sorry for him and actually like he didn't deserve or I'd take pity or I'd still try and help him you know because yeah you know he the men you know had mental um, health problems but then became had a substance abuse issue so then his life was kind of spiraling but I was still trying to help him you know, and almost because you have that nurturing nature. Even after of, what he just done, yeah. I still um, try to nurture him. But yeah, I, you know, like I'd get so in that sense. But like once he phoned me, I think I had twenty missed calls, um, and I phoned him back, and um, he was like clearly off his face and said, um, "I hope you get um, what do you say? I hope you get um, cancer and die a hor- slow, <gasps> horrible death." Fuck off. Yeah, and then it was my fault. You should have rescued me. You should have done something. Yeah, so, and I think more within the relationship, if I think back, I think the only reason potentially he wasn't violent, from bits I've heard, and I don't know how true it is since, you know, since people he's dated since, is because I towed the line. And because I was never confrontational back... Mm. there was no reason to kind of in, 
you know, ignite that fire, if you like. But it was things like, say if I went to my friends... So there was no, you never antagonised him no. or anything like that, whereas if you did argue back, maybe that would have pushed him over the edge to hit in you. I think now, if I think back, if I think back or... But he was more in, like, um, he would, uh, like, slam things mm. or, um, you know, make me feel like... I'd, I'd done something wrong it's just you know even things like if I came if I came back from work on a Saturday and mm. I hadn't done much housework he'd make me feel like then anxious because he'd slam things around or you know kind of thing those kind of things but if I'd go out he'd be phoning oh when are you coming back and when you know I miss you and then I'd be like so complete manipulation absolutely yeah and like you don't see it at the time and you think not that you think it's normal but you don't know any different and when you've come mm. from growing up with that and that's how relationships are. Again, it's almost like, well, I think this is normal, but <laughs> it's not as bad as that. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll what, roll so what with has, it. What's been? Have you had a relationship since that? Since that ex? Yeah. So um, I'm with somebody now, and he is totally the other way. That whole he's normal. He's normal. Yes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and you know, I think us being with John, he's given me I suppose that freedom not intentionally because he you know he but to be able to like I started going to therapy last year like counselling um and I suppose a a time where I haven't got to look after somebody you know he doesn't need to be nurtured or he's not broken you know looks after you absolutely and it's given me time to kind of I suppose reflect and say these are the things that I'm not happy about I'm not happy that I react that way and I don't then want to hurt his feelings because yeah. I've shut down and made him think it's his fault when it's me kind of internalizing and beat myself up and um, as going into his like going into the relationship with him mm. we'll call him normal John normal John yeah so normal John we all need yeah, a normal John, John. oh we, honestly <laughs> I've got a normal Rob and to be fair I think actually like my husband's very similar. He's very nurturing. Like I've been, like you know, mm. I've been through my fair share of tragedy. Yes. And actually, I probably didn't open up to him mm. for, I'd probably say about a year. Mm. So I didn't really tell him much. I, was, I had a massive brick wall up. Mm. And he never pressured me no. at all. And it was one night we were sat there and we were just chatting about stuff. And I just went, blah. Mm. And everything came out. And he just... He didn't go, oh, my God, like, and sort of panic and go, shit, 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 she's talking to me about all this really deep stuff. He just sat there and listened, Mm. sipped his whiskey, (laughs) like it was the most normal thing in the world. Mm. And actually, that is what you need. You need someone to completely just listen. Yeah. And to be there. Mm. I think I always say to Rob, like, I don't need you to make things better for me. Yeah. I don't need you to fix stuff. Mm. I need you to just be there and just to listen. Yeah. How do do you feel that that's quite accurate for you? Yeah. And I I don't think I've ever been so vulnerable with somebody in my life. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said about vulnerability, though. And I think actually healthy relationships yes have got a lot of vulnerability yeah well me and john worked together before so we knew each other and i think yeah. that kind of helped me with being able to trust somebody you know what i mean yeah i think i would have really struggled um 
you know, getting into a, to a relationship mm. with somebody I didn't know kind of thing. And just the thought of online dating and all the things. No, thanks. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it's terrifying, let me tell you. And he knew about, he knew about my crazy family. Yeah. God loved them. Um, they didn't even say they're crazy. It's fine. Then he knew about my ex, you know, and he had to like, he had to go through, because when we were getting divorced, he wouldn't sign the paperwork and all these kind of things. And like John had to read some of the messages that he'd sent to me or had to see, I suppose, the anxiety mm. caused me, you know, if, if my phone rang and it was a number I didn't know, that, oh, God, kind of thing, what, you know, is it him? What is he going to kind of say or how is he going to be? And I, I, I take my hat off to him because I don't know if many people could have put up with that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah. As some, I went, not anything like your manipulation at all uh but i had a similar situation when i got with rob that my ex had been quite manipulative in a couple of situations and i think it's i don't think it was from the same place as your ex i Mm. think it was probably from a place that he still loved me and he never thought i would leave but okay and when i did leave he was like oh shit Mm. um and I think maybe he kind of lashed out a bit. Mm. And everybody, like everyone that meets him, think, oh, he's such a lovely guy, so amazing, all this. That. And actually only one friend ever seen him really show his true colours. And I was doing my friend's hair in my living room. Yeah. And I had tears strolling down my face. I was literally like, mm. you know, stiff up, stiff uh, stiff upper lip, I can't fucking speak. Um, while I was bloody mm. foiling someone's hair. <laughs> and she turned to me and she went, Are you okay? Yeah. And I went, Yeah. And that day mm. she texted me and she was like, I am so sorry. I was like, What for? She was like, I've never seen, I've, you've been telling your friends mm. that this happens and this like degree of manipulation and bullying, but I, this is the first time I've ever seen it. And um, mm. when I got with Rob, yeah. the same things, messages coming through, manipulation, like nasty things. Like when I opened my business, he said to me, um, mm. you should be ashamed of yourself. I said, why? He was like, when your business fails, you'll be failing your child. And I just thought, what? Like, oh, yeah. What? And I, I think it's probably from a jealousy point of view. But yeah, when... Rob got with me. Yeah. I felt so sorry for him. I was like, you're walking into absolute carnage. Like, you poor fucker. Um, that was like John. Honestly, that was like John. Yeah. But I, t- I think we have got, probably got quite similar men. Like, they are, they're very strong. They're very nurturing themselves. And I think that's yeah. probably what what yeah. we need and what people who have been through things that we have been through mm. yeah. need going forward because that is where we will feel protected because we do need to be protected everybody needs to be protected by the people that they love so has it have there been not how have you managed to rebuild your confidence after kev and after your ex how has that been like a long journey is that something that you are still going on have you been through any counseling yeah so i think it i think it's something that would all I always kind of be i'll be a work in progress if you like and i recently i haven't long finished last kind of you know counseling because I felt like it was the right time there was lots of things that um I wasn't happy with how I was dealing with things whatever else and kind of what has transpired from those sessions is that 
um, I have abandonment issues. Um, Can I just uh, ask you what? Yeah. Um, what do you mean you weren't happy with how you were dealing with things? How were you dealing with things? So the the shutting down, the shutting down about things, and so um, I was finding myself mm. being triggered, if you like, about the most ridiculous things, like if for some they're not irrelevant in life, you know, but I was thinking, why? but then what would happen is I'd shut down mm. and then I'd beat myself up of, why do you keep reacting like this? You're now going to make John think it's his fault or, um, you know, you know, and then I, it's almost like this internal battle with myself mm. and then I'm beating myself up and I just thought, I don't, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I need, mm. I want to talk to somebody, you know, there's clearly stuff I need to talk about. And so, yeah, you know, cause, you know, I've got abandonment issues um, and a lot of, well, I don't speak my truth or haven't done is because I'm afraid that person would abandon me. But what she said was quite powerful was, but the whole time, Jade, you've been abandoning yourself by not doing that. That's so you know. poignant. Absolutely. I was, he was one of those. Wow. Is what it like a massive realisation? You're like, shit, that's yeah. just blew me away. I, yeah. Just two big realisations in my counselling, you know, and that was one of them. And that I've got a lot of work to do on me in a child. And I know that he's kind of more in the media now. Um, but so say if I sulk about something, it's probably not Jade at 36 sulking, but it's my inner child that whatever age I emotionally shut down yeah. or step or protecting myself and now that whatever age steps in you know that whole you behaving like a child well yeah because that's probably when the trauma shut you know kind of stops maturing yeah. um my inner child um and so yeah like i said it's, it's kind of her sulking like to say well i didn't get you know what i mean and you know whatever else um and my my inner critic and just how is like brutal <laughs> My inner critic is a fucking bitch, I'm telling you now. She's horrible. Yeah, hold my phone, you know, I'm going, yeah. oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I can't realise, you know, and for all those years, but then it, I'm like, oh, my God. But, you know, we kind of talked in my last couple of sessions how I think it will always be something I'll have to work on because this is deep-rooted yeah. trauma and deep-rooted and years of putting other people first not speaking my truth um and it takes its toll and it's not just going to be something overnight do you know it's really funny actually today I was listening to a podcast um and it's the author of a book called the chimp paradox and if Mm -hmm. you haven't read it I highly recommend it it's it's absolutely amazing and he says that there's two different um he references a lot of animals and things and he calls them goblins and gremlins he said goblins are like real deep-rooted trauma and you Mm. can't get rid of them you can deal with them but you can't get rid of them whereas gremlins you can actually work on getting rid of i Mm. think going back to you know and it's just, you know, it's with the goblins, you can't get rid of them, but it's just dealing with how, it's learning how to deal with them and yes. how to just put them back in the box and go, not today, love. You know, yeah, like, you're not allowed out today. Or, yeah. you know, having those people around your, in your life to say, I'm really sorry, like, that my goblin came out today. Um, I'll try not to let it happen again. But those people around you, they love you and they know that you don't, yeah. you know, 
you don't mean harm. It's just... Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah I have... Um, I went through my inner child counselling last year. Mm. Um, and it re... Oh, my God. Session three, I was a blubbering mess. I literally <laughs> just... it. She asked me a question and it blew my mind. Like, literally blew yeah. my mind to the point that I was inconsolable. And I went to, um, I called my son and manager and I was like, I've got to go home. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm really mm. not. And it was such a, what was the question? It was, <laughs> it was a question that to like people who have kind of gone through like, it was, can, can you think of a happy memory? And I couldn't. And it's not that there weren't any, because there was bloody hundreds. However, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, beginning of our chat, I think when you think about... She asked me a question, that question, and I just straight away, my brain went to the bad. So it was really difficult. That compute was so difficult for me. And then I went home and I was thinking, oh my God, I've got no good memories because then my my brain and my inner critic and my inner bitch is like winding me up at this point. I just had to go and watch some funny shit on TV and drink a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if your brain boxes things away, I think over time it can't differentiate between the bad stuff and the good. So I think then it bo- just boxes yeah, everything. Yeah, it really. decompartmentalizes things. I bloody love that word. It's so posh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that would be too fancy for, for a bird from lie, but yeah, for me, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but so going forward, like now, you've you've obviously started your counselling yeah. journey mm. and you're in a really healthy Absolutely. relationship, which I'm so, so bloody mm. glad about. So tell me about what makes you happy now. Where do you find, we'll end it on a really good note. What makes you really smile? What makes you get up in the mornings? What make, like, what really tickles you and... What is it that makes you keep going? Mm. Because look, people who have been through trauma mm-hmm. can let it absolutely. Yeah. We know that, and they can keep going through, you know, harmful relationships after harmful relationships. And I'm not just talking about love relationships or sexual relationships. I'm talking about friendships absolutely, yeah. and stuff, and like toxic workplaces, toxic friendships, toxic love, toxic sex, whatever. Um, what makes you not go down that path? What makes you choose the other path and go, no, I'm not going to go through there. Are brought up in a more happier environment, not a happier environment, sorry, that's probably the wrong word to say, but uh, what makes me make sure that my kids see me happy and that will then make them happy? And what makes me you know, get up in the morning, keep smiling and keep going as, as opposed to letting shit define you. Hmm. Um, I suppose I, it's been a, because, um, I, well, I didn't have any, I haven't had any children. I think a lot of that is probably because of my childhood. If I'm being honest, I think I've kind of realized that as I've got older, but John's got two children. So 50% of the time, you know, um, John's children are with us. Um, and I think so. Bef- I suppose if I think before, you know, John and the kids, um, because you know I loved them as if kind of they were my own. 
what's always been a big thing for me is I'm ma- I'm so stubborn that it'll absolutely be like the death of me I'm sure and I'm so proud <laughs> you know that inner critic that you know what you portray to the world if you like is I never wanted to give Kev or that situation any more energy it took so much that is really healthy and it took it took such a big Mm. important part of my life and Mm. made it awful and set you know wheels in motion of you know different reactions and relationships and all those kind of things and I refused to give it any more it was like that's what's happened I can't do anything about that but what I can do is say this isn't gonna then trail through the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Do you know what I mean? I've, you know, I always say if I went out tomorrow and murdered somebody, adult <laughs> Jade has done that, not because of what happened when I was a child. And I suppose sometimes I don't have much patience for, always because of that. I suppose because I'm a bit like, no, don't give that anymore. And because I left school with no qualifications, and I've had to work so hard. And I say blag it. Fake it till you make it. Take opportunities and (laughs) absolutely being able to talk and all those things. Um, It's that fear of, like Kev would always say to me, you won't amount to anything. And always said, when I get older, if I ever drive past him in a nice car, whatever it is, I'm absolutely going to chuck the V's up and say, thank you. I think that's part of, you know, and I, I don't know what part of our brain does this, but I absolutely get that. I think it's that fact that you, if somebody has said to you, you'll never amount to anything, I am going to fucking keep going until I prove you wrong. Absolutely. In your face. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that is, mm, it's yeah. really healthy. I really do. But I love what you've said that you will not give it any more airtime because absolutely you not. took that no. part of your life away. So you're not yeah. you're not going to let it happen again. That's absolutely that is amazing, not. Jane. Yeah, and it takes a fucking and strong all, person yeah. to do that. I've always tried whatever's happened to take time to reflect and take the good because it's so easy for life to mangle you up, yeah. make you bit of twisted and spit you back out. And you know, I love life, and mm. you know, I love to travel and I love food. Probably food too much. Me too. And <laughs> I, I love the people that I have in my life. Yeah. You know, my closest female friends are absolutely an extension to my family and their families are and I suppose what gets me through is thinking like that's the hand I was dealt but I want to enjoy my life you know Mm. I want to go on holiday and I want to experience things and I want to enrich other people's lives so whether that's just that they know that I'm there or I don't know how cheesy my set Make a difference, you know. Somebody said to me once, because I haven't had children, but what about your legacy? And I said, but I don't need to have children for my legacy. Like, I know that, God forbid, if something happens tomorrow, I have positively, lovingly impacted people's lives for the right reasons. You are your legacy. And absolutely, yeah, you know. And so I think what keeps me going is, like I said, well, I'm just too stubborn, but we get one shot, I suppose, like this is an address rehearsal and, and I'm, you know, we kind of, I know it's easy to think that, but I just want to enjoy it. Yeah. Like as so much of my life has been miserable or I've felt anxious or I felt mm. scared or I've felt like I've had to be strong or be responsible, all those things. And I'm like, just enjoy it. 
you know what I mean? I my life could have gone down a completely different path, and it could have been completely different, you know. But it isn't. But I think on that though, Jade, you are totally right. It, your life could have gone down a different path. Absolutely. However, I think that that's the difference that you chose for it not to go down that path. And I think you know, I and I I'm not saying that we have a choice in everything in our lives because. I, for one, could probably write a book. And, but I've chosen to live the life that I do mm-hmm. and a more positive and a happy life because I don't want that shit to define who I am and I don't want it to ruin the rest of my life. No. And I do think you have a choice and you have chosen to go down that. So you should absolutely be so proud of yourself for overcoming everything that you have and still having such a lovely outlook on life and still being so chirpy mm. and, you know, not letting mm. it define you. No, it was, no. I, I just didn't want to give anymore. Yeah. Like, no, you took enough. Absolutely. No. It has been mm. so amazing talking to you today. I honestly, you've made Bless me cry. You, <laughs> you've made me laugh out loud several times. But I do think this is going to be really, really important to anybody listening to it that has gone through anything similar mm. um, to know that actually they do have a choice. And I do think counselling is is the way forward. It really helped me. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to leave this on two things. So, one, I will ask every guest. What advice would you give somebody who has probably gone through a similar situation to you? What is the biggest piece of advice Mm. that you would give to them? Um, The biggest piece of advice I'd give to them is, I'd say, just dig deep and just be true to yourself is what I would say. If it feels like there's a mountain to climb, yeah. you'll get there, you know. Um, so just keep going. Yeah. That is what I'd say. Keep doing the things that you in love. Keep doing the things that make you you. And like I said, just, you know, be kind of true to yourself is what I would say um, on that journey. Because as long as you know you have been, if whatever happens next, you know, you've been your yeah. true authentic self. So you that's can't be amazing. any more than that. Don't yeah. be somebody that's you're not. That's so true. Yeah. And um, the most important question that I'm going to ask you today, which is my favourite question yeah. in the salon, and I ask everybody, what are you having okay. for dinner tonight? Um, what are we having, actually? I've never cooked this before, so everyone might hate it. But we're having um, halloumi peanut butter what? noodles. <laughs> You got me at peanut butter. That's disgusting. Do you not like it? <laughs> no. Oh, absolutely so not. And Marmite no. can absolutely like Marmite. do one as well. But no, that's what we're having: halloumi noodles with like a satay peanutty sauce. That's what we're having. It sounds nice for peanut fans, but I'm going to say no. <laughs> it might be awful. And like, what? What is this that you've? What are we having so? for, for dinner tonight? I'm at my salon manager's today, and she's cooking mm. me dinner tonight. Mm. Um, what are we having? I think something vegetarian. Aubergine, something or another. Aubergine. Uh, honey miso, butternut squash, rice bowl. Honey miso, mm-hmm. butternut squash, rice bowl. Posh. That sounds well fancy, that does. She is fancy fancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> I come to get fed. Absolutely. She's got I don't this echo in the fridge as well with my name on it. <laughs> nice. 
Nice. It's been lovely speaking to you. Yes, you too, Beaut. Um, I honestly, um, we need to keep in touch a bit more. Please, that'd be good. Thank you so much um, for coming on. I really think that everything you've said today has, it's really struck a chord with me. You got me right there. Um, And actually, I really, I wish you all the absolute best going forward because you bloody deserve it. I will. All right, be it. Speak to you. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.